Warning. The following podcast contains two morons talking about sophisticated subject matter, like ninus and hoo-hahs. Also, a few whoopsie-daisies and at least one house or ante. If you don't have a strong stomach, you know where the door is. Right. On with the shenanigans, then. The podcast which you are about to hear is an account of the tragedy which befell two washed-up losers. In particular, Court Psyops and his immature co-host, Matt. It was all the more tragic in that they were uncultured morons. But had they lived very, very full lives, they could not have expected nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see each week. For them, an idiotic podcast show became a nightmare. The events of each week were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, Cinema Psyops with Court and Matt. What is Psyops? Psyops for psychological operations is very simply the art of influencing how people feel and think and ultimately how they behave and what they do. You don't have to defeat the enemy on the battlefield. It's better if you can convince the enemy to do what you want him to do without having to fight him. And that's really the intent behind Psyops, to convince people to do what you want them to do. So how does PSYOPs fit into what's happening now? The two points I'd like to make with you and the audience is that, first and foremost, PSYOPs save lives. The second thing I'd like to say, a lot of people have misconception about PSYOPs. They think it's something deviant and brainwashing. say you don't know exactly what's going on right now, but we do know that there are some psyops going on, right? Ma'am, I don't know. Cinema psyops. And I believe with all of my heart that it is a contributing factor to our juvenile delinquency of today. Why I believe that is because I know how it feels. I know what it does to you. Cinema psyops. They think it's something devious and brainwashing. Welcome to the 308th episode of Cinema PsyOps. That is 308 consecutive weeks of this ridiculous, idiotic, stupid fucking, I can't believe I'm fucking doing this anymore fucking podcast. But that does not matter because this week, folks, myself and my co-host Matt are covering Phantasm. Yeah, Phantasm. And it's fantastically confusing. Okay, yeah. Uh, but I liked to, it. You had to do the notes, so I'll grant you that. But, yeah. Um, I just, Matt, are you are you sitting comfortably in the non-squeaky chair tonight? I am definitely not in the, I'm in the non-squeaky chair, yeah. But you're not sitting comfortably because it's the non-squeaky chair. No, actually, it's pretty comfy. I'm, I'm okay. all right. Are you currently sitting comfortable in whatever chair you're in? I am. Okay. If you think this one's weird, you better fucking strap in. Oh, is it going to get worse? Yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> How? Huh? How? 
All right. What you need to understand is that the very nature of reality is always up for questions in the Phantasm series, my friend. So therefore, the things that you are currently seeing may not necessarily be the things that are happening in a reality because you may or may not be in the middle of someone's dream that it's so vivid and so real they're convinced that it's actually happening. Or you may actually be being gaslit by the tall man as well in believing that what you are currently witnessing is only a film and not really a true account of things that Mike and his cohorts are suffering. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm fine. Everything's fine here. Okay. Um, once I accidentally took the blue pill, am I fucked? (laughs) (laughs) No, what what I'm getting at here, Matt, is this is an exercise in philosophical filmmaking as far as what I have always considered the phantasm series, because it's variations on a theme and it's ideas. And there is a contextual story to each of the individual films and there is an overarching story, but this firm grasp on what is really happening and what is not really happening happening our characters cannot rely on that nor can we as an audience i'm gonna be really interested to uh to hear your thoughts on this <laughs> okay look the only real explanation i'm gonna offer you is this is what i've always thought or this yeah. is this is what i thought i saw in this scene and i'm not saying i, I thought this was a bad movie I, i'm not saying that at i didn't all. get that at all i got that no. you were confused by it. i'm just massively massively confused by this so um and you've had a lot more time to think of this because I've never seen Phantasm. Yeah, so you came in this series like the second one you've seen was the first one that you watched, right? I, um, I saw something. Uh, I know I watched a Phantasm, but it wasn't a full movie. I think I saw like the last half of a Phantasm movie. Okay. I don't know which number. I don't know which one. It was decades ago. Okay. So, so you've only like had a day trip around the crunch before covering this Phantasm film. Yeah. Okay. That's totally fair. The very nature of the way that this phantasm series goes i mean this and we'll have a lot more to say about it but this is mm-hmm. i mean predates even freddy krueger and it deals in some of the same dream logic and you know what is real what's really happening you know at what point of yours is your mind being manipulated that you can believe what it is that you're seeing and everything like the questioning of your own perception of reality around you and whether or not you are starting to lose reality and lose your grip on reality that's one of the main things that causes horror in this franchise so yeah. it is intentionally confusing I mean, by that Without nature. getting too much into it, it sounds like you have to be able to control your fear to survive. Uh, that is actually, so far in the first movie, that is a major plot point, but not one that is very spoilery because it's very beginning of the film. And it may okay. even be in the trailer. So yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the case. And if if a being knows that it can control you through fear, it's literally going to throw everything it can possibly think at you to see what yeah. sticks. Uh, yeah. 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 And so because it's the late 70s, this is well before Freddy Krueger got into using that same type of thing, only in a very different sort of manner. Well, but, and also having to realize whether or not you're awake and dreaming and making sure yeah. that your your grasp on reality is very firm. Like this is this is pretty fledgling territory um, cinematic wise you know it's been written about like a bunch but a lot of movies like i mean i don't want to go through the entire history but like very few movies go with this like distorted reality because it's so hard to pull off you know yeah like you can swing for the fences all you want on it and sometimes you're you're not going to make this amazing film that you think you're going to make and like everything Mm -hmm. that you think is brilliant and awesome just turns out to be all of us staring at a fucking dreidel at the end of your fucking movie and you think you're so genius (laughs) and like a bunch of people that are completely confused about your bullshit are 
also thinking that you may be a genius because they don't want to admit how confused they are about your bullshit. But that's not or, the case with Phantasm. Okay. You see what I'm or, saying? You know, you're, yeah, you're staring at a snow globe and uh, the entire series you watched was an autistic kid's dream. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Like sometimes when you try to offer up an explanation uh, and then try to be so deep and meaningful about it, sometimes you're just an asshole. And so, yeah, sometimes, sometimes you're, you're, you're just a douche, right? Sometimes you just made people care about a ton of characters and now they never really existed. So thanks a fucking lot. <laughs> way, way to ruin an entire fucking series. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah. But what I'm Yeah, I have of, things to say. No. Yeah. <laughs> but what I'm what I'm getting at here is these types of choices where you have to try and even make your audience question the nature of their own reality and when you're trying to make people think and you start bringing into like the particle physics ideas and you know how vibrations affect these things and yeah. interdimensional beings, even though you call them interplanetary, they are interdimensional beings. This is yeah, this is more feels more interdimensional than than other stuff but, but yeah but like when you start bringing all of these various aspects in and you have all of these various plates spinning you are begging for disaster and i would submit to you sir the phantasm series continues those plates spinning for the entirety of its run that's my yeah. hypothesis now when i had said that we were doing the texas chainsaw massacre i said the budgets kept increasing they kept throwing more money at it in some way shape or form or you know they would try again and just you know throw a different amount of money that was slightly less but they had huger budgets considering from the first one. Now, this series is a little bit different. The budgets were kind of up and down, but basically after two, because it skyrocketed with two, um, because a yeah. major studio got interested, and then it pretty much plummeted, and the money just pretty much goes away uh, towards the end of this series, but the creativity more than makes up for it. So it's a weird mm -hmm. kind of journey that we're about yeah. to go on with these films because it just gets more ambitious and more out there and more trippy with less and less money. And to me, Again, this is my hypothesis. It pulls it off and it does it gloriously. And so I unlike where we went down with Texas Chainsaw Massacre as the movies went on, you feel like we stay at the same level or go up as the movies go on. Yes. And not only that, it widens out the world and adds on while also going back in time and retconning things, but does it so masterfully that it essentially beats out franchise to franchise fest here is what I'm saying. This is my hypothesis right. that this maintains a certain level. And I would say that your entertainment value will definitely stay the same in all of them. There's going to be some story points that that I'm sure you will get more than frustrated at, as will I. But I feel like you're not going to have the roller coaster ride of ups and downs that we had, which was mostly just downs and then further downs. And oh my gosh, yeah. even further downs know. of Texas How Chainsaw Massacre. are we Massacre. still going down right now? Right. <laughs> what we're doing is we're going on a long, scary, trippy ride, like in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. We're going down that tunnel. So that's that kind of ride. It's a dark scare ride on this one. And we're not yeah. stopping. No matter how much we beg, it just, that's how this film's going to go. All of them. That's yeah. what I'm getting at. All right. All right. <laughs> and I'm stoked. Let's stop uh, beating around the bush. Let's uh, play the Legion Patreon fucking ad. Let's play the music that I snagged right out of the fucking soundtrack for Phantasm. When we come back, we're going to do the fucking trailer. There you go. This will keep you quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You caught me cutting a new show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting, but that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? Not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing... All the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. 
and you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash legionpodcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for five dollars, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash legion podcasts. We appreciate it, and thank you for listening. Now, back to the cutting room. pretty good yeah that is so fucking incredible and we even got a trailer guy voice in this incredible fucking trailer phantasm is it a nightmare phantasm is it an illusion phantasm Is it an evil? You have to take me home. But what? No questions. You must take me home. Phantasm. Is it a fantasy? scare you. You're already dead. Ah! 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 Ah!
phantasm. God, that trailer guy voice was awesome. Yeah, good, good trailer guy voice. Yeah. Uh, uh, before we actually dig into the review, I just one more thing I need to make a comment. Did you notice how he's constantly asking us what phantasm is during that trailer? Yes. So he is literally just as confused as you are as to what's going he on. Right. Say what in the hell did we do? What is the phantasm? Everyone, all right. <laughs> Uh, if you are going to um, imbibe while uh, watching the Phantasm movies in an effort to expand your consciousness, I yeah. highly recommend Joe Bob Briggs not too long ago had a very Joe Bob Christmas where he covered one, three, four, and five for a Christmas special. And all it's right. incredible. Uh, he gives you descriptions on altering substances and he bases it on altering substances where it's alcohol if you're in this state where weed's not legal. But if weed's mm -hmm. legal, he starts naming off the strains and and when you should start smoking them during the watching of the films so that you will better understand what's going on with Phantasm. It is incredible. Like, I love his coverage of that. So I just wanted to point that out for everybody. Nice. But I can tell you, I have tried to watch the Phantasm films on many a mind-altering substance in order to expand my consciousness. Of course. I'm still confused. I, I don't blame you. Okay. I just, I, I promise you nothing other than Joe Bob's commentary and knowledge of strains is quite something to behold. So let's do our review now. All right. Phantasm. First 20 minutes. Dude and a lady. Well, they're getting down in a cemetery. They're boning. We see some boobs. So thank thanks, you, movie. movie. Yeah. Oh, also, yeah. Uh, she is known commonly. I, th I don't know if it's a woman in, in lavender. The lady in lavender or the woman in lady lavender. Lady in lavender. Yeah, yeah, that is correct. Well, uh, as they're doing it, she kills him by stabbing him in the chest and. And then uh, we see her face. It turns into an old man's face. That turns into Angus Shrim's face. The tall yes, man. The tall man. Um, well, the guy, apparently his name was Tommy, and his friends Jody and Reggie are talking outside of a funeral home, getting ready for the funeral. Jody uh, says that he uh, needs to go, he goes and sees someone, and he goes into the funeral the funeral home's mausoleum and finds his dad's spot where his mom and dad are, are buried or, or kept. Jody actually looks at Reggie and says, I need to go visit someone. And yeah. the look in his eye, the way that those two actors play it, the mutual look that they have, he, he basically saying, I want to stop and see where my parents are, you know, yeah. in the mausoleum and before we go on for the funeral. So, you know, like so much of this is played just in the actors. And I just want to point that out. Um, all of the interaction where you see like a lot of the stuff that the actors are doing, where they're just so generous with the way that they give responses or long pauses or the emotional responses and the depth and everything. Mm -hmm. Don Coscarelli said specifically that was not even something that he was trying for. He lucked into because the actors brought that a game for him. Nice. He was so busy with all of the visuals that you're seeing, like in the mortuary and all that stuff and making sure all the shots were right and, you know, all the nuts and bolts of everything that he was very hands off with that kind of stuff and didn't even think of it because he's a very early filmmaker, you know, and he was just trying to get the shit on celluloid. Yeah. And that sequence I, in particular, I want to point it out because I think that both the uh, Reggie, who's playing Reggie, and uh, the other actor. Uh, Jody. Jody, sorry. And by the way, he named the characters the actors are playing. It's the same first name. Huh. <laughs> Reggie is actually Reggie, <laughs> and Jody is actually Jody. Or at least Makes that's... easy. Yeah, well, when Don Coscarelli did this, he literally wrote this film for actors he already knew and he could get stuff from and knew he could trust and just kind of like did these excellent shortcuts where... He found people that were right for the job and then made a job for them to be able to make the movie. Like, yeah. And he kept expanding the film, too. I want to point that out. But oh. in this particular scene, the re 
reason that I mention it is because there is a moment where both their eyes tear up and like they both yes. look like they're going to say something. But they, they don't. They both ran a lot of emotion. Yeah. Uh, the, the emotion is really well played. Yeah. And I, I just, I wanted to point that out. And also I wanted to say, because I, I won't dwell on it after this moment. It's just that this one in particular, I found very moving. And when I heard that interview, this is the point where we need to talk about that. Because all of the acting is incredible in this. And in Don Coscarelli's own words, the actors all brought that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> because he was so like you know worried about all these other technical billion other things that he had to do and he just lucked into it is what were some I'm paraphrasing but those were his words and it really struck me how incredible it is just knowing that that like how lucky to have such good actors that could do such a performance and rein themselves yeah. in and play off each other so well but he also knew that they could do that so I, I think that was kind of a conscious decision to help him unconsciously <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? all right let's move on sorry uh, all right now a problem. So then uh, we see a kid, he's riding a dirt bike through the graveyard, and he sees a strange figure kind of going behind a, uh, a short figure going behind a gravestone. Well, then uh, uh, Jody starts hearing sounds in the mausoleum, and as he's looking it out, the tall, scary man from the beginning tells him that the funeral is getting ready to start. At the funeral, they talk about his kid bro and him not coming to the actual funeral, and he's been having nightmares ever since their parents died. Um, Joding, uh, we see the boy, we're assuming this is his little brother Michael, who's watching the funeral, and he sees the tall man actually take the casket out of the grave and put it back into the hearse by himself. And this is a very big casket. Well, yeah, it's supposed um, to be filled with dead man, and the dude yeah. can handle it like it's nothing. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so, uh, he goes then and visits a fortune teller, and he's worried about Jody leaving again. Uh, then we cut to a vision of Jody, of them driving Jody's sweet fucking muscle car, and Michael's actually driving it. Barracuda. And they begin some maintenance when a friend comes up, and that's our first clip. Hey. <laughs> so what brings you back? Tommy. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, I just don't get off on funerals, man. They give me the creeps. I uh, just want to tell you, I heard about your folks. I'm really sorry. Yeah, thank you, man. It's, uh, in two years, I guess you can just about get over anything. So uh, I hear you've been out on the road. Yeah. How come you're hanging around this dump? Well, I'm taking care of the kid, you know. Shit, I think after uh, all that action, this town would drive you nuts. You're damn right. Now that the kid's 13, uh, yeah, I'm thinking of sending him off to live with his aunt. But I'll tell you, he sure ain't gonna like it. I mean, as it is, he follows me everywhere. It's like he, he knows I'm gonna leave. He's a tough little kid. I love him. I'm gonna miss him. Grandmother has told you before not to worry. If he does leave, he'll take you with him. God, I hope she's right. She always is. Uh, there's something else. I'm really scared about something that I did. I was messing around up at Morningside Cemetery, and I saw something. Something really scary. It goes to a vision of him seeing what he saw, and then he was riding his dirt bike, and he sees the tall man and actually crashes his bike. Um, and uh, the women have Mike uh, put his hand in this box that just shows up out of nowhere. He struggles to get it out, and he says he feels pain. But the women, the young woman says it's just his fear to not have fear. And when he calms down, he's able to get his hand out of the box. And they tell him, you know, you have to get all the fear out of your mind. And then the box disappears 
and he leaves and grandma starts laughing um then we cut to that same young girl uh who's with grandma there she uh heads to the funeral home uh we see jody and reg they jam out as their friends and so they just jam out then the young girl in the mausoleum part of the floor the the funeral home opens up a door it's bright white and then we hear screaming from outside so where we get an outside shot and you hear screaming that night mike follows jody as he tends to do to a bar and he sees him hitting on a lady we see it's a lady in lavender Uh oh they leave and yeah it's the same lady that was with tommy and uh mike follows them to the graveyard they get into some business while mike watches and we see some more boobs so thank you thank movie. you movie thank you movie um and then a cloaked figure starts growling and chases mike he runs and screams right past jody and he sees him and he follows that ends our first 20 minutes all right i need to touch on the lady in lavender and i'm glad that we have the 20 minute break here this is a perfect opportunity uh right. one of the things that i said that uh, don coscarelli was just kind of expanding roles as he saw opportunities to make the story grow uh the lady in lavender her only bit was going to be she's here she gets picked up in a bar and her and jody get it on in the cemetery yeah uh and then that gets interrupted by mike and the monsters but there was a look that she gives to the camera when she's disappointed that she you know like he's running away to go help mike Mm -hmm. uh that was rather sinister and so don coscarelli liked that and he just thought she looked so incredible in lavender and her makeup and she had such a stunning look but she could like hold herself in such a way that also was very sinister and so he started to talk to her about the part and she thought she was going to get cut down even further because all it was was this this smaller part where she just gets picked up in the bar you know and then they start having sex and she was worried that she was going to start losing lines or, or whatever you know like yeah. losing bits in her part and uh don coscarelli tells her that he thinks she looks incredible she's striking and he got this like sort of uh bit of inspiration of like putting her in the film and making this lady in lavender be like this seductress siren who leads men to their doom for the tall man as far yeah. as we can tell or mm. is the tall man and is the tall man gender fluid i don't know perhaps (laughs) it's the tall man even a man yeah is he just a bean or any of these man or a woman are any of these things that are working on behalf of the tall man even in this world or are they just projections from another realm um that are that are here because they don't seem to work by the same rules that we do in any way shape or form and everything is just really kind of what the fuck is going on and this swapping back and forth between man and woman like they do where uh it just transforms all of a sudden and not explain anything more other than you need to associate these two as the same person or they're working together or something you know like the film just pretty much gets the idea that you're smart enough to figure it out on your own and if you're not then i guess you deserve to be lost you know yeah i guess like so far is there anything that you're not sure what's going on like are you feeling too lost just yet no i'm pretty solid i'm pretty on solid footing now okay good because i'm not really I'm I'm fucking with you. We're fine. Uh, Uh, Basically, this is a solid opening. And I like how you say that Jody goes to the psychic. No, they just cut to Jody already at the psychic. We have no idea. Yeah, Mike. You mean Mike at the Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they just cut to Mike at at at, at a psychic's door. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you don't really get, like, it's just Mike's just there. And, you you know, like, you say he goes to the psychic, but that is implying in your brain that, well, he must have gone there, right? Yeah. But all we really see is that he's there. We have no idea why he's there or why this is the next stop after being at the cemetery other than maybe he's freaked out about the death and we don't even know what this place is and we have to figure it out and infer it from the dialogue. So this film is constantly
constantly throwing stuff like that at you where, you know, you don't know where you are for that exact moment and you have to kind of figure it out. But all you have is a familiar character. So you identify with 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 uh, Michael. So you're you're sticking with him. Right. Yeah. While he's there. Yes. Or Jody. I mean, but yeah, yeah, you're right. I have no idea how Mike became to be at the place of the psychic. But until I noticed that the first time where I'm like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. I, I always just I always just thought, oh, yeah, well, obviously he's upset and he just goes to the psychic. Right. But no, we just have a hard cut and we just imply or we we put that story into our own brain and we're trying to make sense of what's happening there. And I would say that um, this isn't intentional. Perhaps in this film, maybe it was just this stream of consciousness filmmaking where he's not purposely trying to fuck with our brains and make us question our own memories about what we may or may not have seen. But like yeah. he does that more later in the in the movies. Like he really does. Yeah. Like it happens to the characters and it happens to us as the audience. And I just want to point that out that that happened here where we have to fill in the blanks because he didn't tell us why Mike ended up there. He just did. Yeah. <laughs> right. So well, now I don't know how good I am. <laughs> all i'm saying is this film will play some tricks on your brain and make you fill in the blanks like that this is not yeah. the only this is not the only time where i'll be like are you sure that's what you saw because this is what i saw <laughs> i'm sure it's gonna happen and you have to watch it so many times to start getting at that point <laughs> yeah <laughs> so Jesus you christ <laughs> yeah it's obsessive like you can get really obsessive about these movies if you really fucking think about it but there i wanted to lay that out that's my first 20 minutes and there's plenty of scenes that are like that in the rest of the film that's that's the only one that I'm going to purposely point out if I know you miss yeah. it, because right. I guarantee you there's more stuff like that where your brain fills in the blanks for you. Yeah, I'm just sure. Just because you're being shown something and then some of the dialogue and you just want to identify with these characters because you have no other idea what's happening for that cut. And it does yeah. happen again a lot. <laughs> God damn, fuck. All right, all right, all right. <sighs> this is, why do I feel like by the time we're done with this, I'm just going to, I'm going to be tired. <laughs> <laughs> like not just tonight, but the whole fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, this is gonna take its toll because you're gonna have to think about this a little bit here and there. And I, you know what? I know people think I'm probably being, you know, pretentious asshole here, but this is what these films do for me. So, and this is how I want to cover them. This is just the best that I got. <laughs> All right. Well, we start the next twenty. Jody catches up with Mike, and that is actually our next clip. What's wrong with you, man? There's something up there. I know it. I saw it. What? Okay, look, I was following you guys. I didn't mean any harm, but, but it's out there and it's gonna get me. What's out there? I don't know. It was, it was little and brown and low to the ground. It's probably just a gopher in the heat. It wasn't any gopher. Where's that girl anyway? Well, she's waiting back there for me, you idiot. Did you hear that? That's yeah, only the wind. You better go get her before it gets her. You got some kind of an overactive imagination or something, man? Look. He thinks he's about to get laid by that gorgeous lady in Lavender. He has no fucks given even about the safety of his own brother. Here, take right. these keys well, and drive. When his, when his brother went right by him, he had his woman's panties in his mouth. So, he, I mean. Yeah, he's a bit disappointed in not being it, able to do more. Yeah. But, you know, he still shows concern for his bro. He's like, hey. Take the keys. Get out of here. Hey, You'll he left right. her, didn't he? Just so he could check yeah. on the brother. So exactly. Yeah. So yeah, he's a good bro. He's a good older brother. So <laughs> anyway, um, 
Jody returns, and, but the lady's gone. So that night, Mike has a nightmare that he's wakes up in his bed. His bed's in the middle of the graveyard. And the tall man's standing above him. And then zombies come up from the ground and grab him. The next day, Jody hits the bar. And Mike is just walking around town. As he's walking, he sees the tall man uh, kind of walking down the street. And uh, Reggie's ice cream truck's parked there, and there's, like, a lot of steam coming from the back. Uh, probably open it up in the heat, you know, and all the cold. And the tall man stops, turns, and almost stares right at Mike. And then has, like, this, like, he smells or senses something, and he smiles, and then he walks away. Oh, if you pay close attention, he's not just staring at Mike. It's a very hot day, which is why Reggie is doing gangbusters dealing in ice cream right now. But yeah. that cold that's coming out... Out. That cold is soothing from the heat, and he is actually reaching out. You can tell his hands oh, yeah, are reaching out right. and enveloping the cold, and he's trying to step into the cold. And he's just really, really enjoying, like, he likes cold, like, really, really cold. So he is clearly very uncomfortable in this environment. And judging that everyone else is wearing, like, jackets or whatever, you know, kind of around, like, Michael most of the time has got a jean jacket on when he's riding his bike and stuff. And, you know, most other people seem to be wearing at least long sleeves and are okay. It can't be that hot. But to him, it must be so hot because standing in that cold is almost sexual. And he's staring at Michael while he's doing this and just basically flaunting that there's something not right about him and that no one else but Michael will notice it. He's specifically challenging him here. Yeah. Yeah, you're exactly right. Whew. Sorry, I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. Uh, later on, Mike is working on the car and he hears noises, like the noises he heard uh, from the thing that was chasing him. All of a sudden, his car starts shaking and he gets knocked off the, 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 uh, what is it on? Uh, what word am I looking for here? Help me. Um, <laughs> changing a tire. Uh, jack. Not jack. Gets knocked off the jack and traps him. And he's able to pull out and he actually sees a like a shoe and he hits at it. Well, that's just Joe. Jody's standing there. He tries to tell him what happened, but Jody doesn't believe him, thinks it might be the mentally handicapped kid from down the street. But that's not how he phrased it, and that's not that's, how we say it now. Uh, yeah, yeah, he did not. Yeah, he phrased it in a, in a very different way that I'm not going to phrase it. Mike packs up a knife, and he heads to the funeral home and breaks in. He almost gets caught by a caretaker, but he hides in a coffin, and he sees that the tall man, and the caretaker, he sees the tall man who addresses the caretaker, and the caretaker follows him. Mike then follows them into the mausoleum, and then he uh, sees this metal ball flying through the air. Something that will become instantly known with Phantasm is this metal ball. It's almost on every cover of everything Phantasm. So, I know that much. Often imitated never emulated the ball is back bitches <laughs> um so he's able to dodge it and he runs away but then the caretaker grabs him and the metal ball shows up it chases after him he bites the caretaker's hand gets out of the way and we see two knives come out of the ball and it just impales the caretaker in his head it starts drilling his head and then there's a hole on the other side where blood just starts blurting out flowing out caretaker's obviously dead also add in the nice little effect of him pissing himself while he dies so Uh, there you go one other fine detail that you missed when the ball sinks into your head right before it drills your head did you notice that the ball is positioned in such a way so that both eyes have an entire mirror view of what's about to happen as it drills into your head yeah yeah it's specific this sadistic torture where it's like making you watch it do this wow you can't yeah. stop it from doing it because that's how it yeah. aims and it's reflective Ooh. on like that on purpose and then it yeah. drains the blood out of your body from your head 
<laughs> it is so fucking horrific. And uh, bonus points to you for noticing. He does, in fact, heavily, heavily release all of his bowels. Yes, everything, uh, everything gets, uh, everything gets a, a little bit light, lit up on that one. Um, okay. So then, uh, he, Mike's like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. And he, uh, starts running, but then there's the tall man, tall man chase him, but he gets behind a door and, and barricades it. Uh, but then he notices the, the tall man's hand is trapped in that door still crushed. Well, he cuts off a few fingers and yellow, yellow crap starts coming out of it. Well, Mike decides to grab one of the fingers to get out of there. And then all of a sudden those little dwarves who are cloaked start chasing him and they almost get him, but he's able to get through the window he broke into and gets away. And that ends that 20 minutes. Okay, when did Jawas first appear in Star Wars? Um, Jawas, that was 1977. This was probably, so this was after Star Wars. 1979, all right. Um, yeah. I don't know if Jawas were the influence for these little guys, but they certainly look a lot like them. But then again, anytime yeah. you put little people into an outfit similar to that, that's like a cloak. I mean, yeah. a Jawa design, I hate to say this, is really not that original, so. it's It's really not. I mean, it's a little, it's cloak and then little people or kids, whoever starred in the movie wore it, uh, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, you could see that pretty much in any movie that would do the same thing with the yeah. little people in there. I think the point of it is that it's just this stark image of these things coming for you that are clearly not human, although they are humanoid in these cloaks and the animalistic weird noises that they make, that makes them terrifying. Yeah. But we agreed. do, we do need to acknowledge, yes, they look very much like Jawa was yes people have said that before <laughs> i don't know if it's intentional or not yeah i really don't and i would say if it is intentional maybe more or less it's a homage but does that mean that jawas are actually made by the people that the tall man came from then don't do this to me don't you dare do that <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll abide by a lot of your shenanigans, but that is not one that I'll abide by. <laughs> no, I, I know. I was I was too far, sir. I withdraw. <laughs> I withdraw right. the statement. <laughs> okay. Let's just get on with this review, okay? <laughs> we'll all get out of this just fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what the film is setting up so far in the story that's being shown here is that what Mike th seems to be witnessing and what Mike seems to, to realize is happening or what is going on, the rest of the world is entirely oblivious to. And so while we as the viewer are pretty much following Mike for the bulk of this film, yeah, we see things only from Mike's perspective for a good portion of the film. And uh, we tend to sympathize with him and we want to believe that Mike is actually seeing what is real but at the same time the way the other characters react we start to worry that maybe we are not reliable as viewers like maybe these things really aren't happening because Jody and Reggie are very convincing whenever they talk Mike down through these sequences <laughs> Yeah, And it gets kind of a little hard to buy what's going on with Mike. And I think the film does a really good job of making you wonder uh, for certain whether or not is Mike losing his mind? Is his grip on reality gone? Or is what he's seeing real and everyone else's minds are being manipulated and clouded or they're just not paying attention to what's yeah. happening around them to the point where Jody almost willingly goes into the trap of the Lady in Lavender without even yeah. realizing that something like that is possible. <laughs> you know, and 
And the only reason that Mike saves him is because he was going to get shooed away by one of these, like, Jawa-looking dudes that works for the tall man, you know? Yeah, something like that. Or was this intentional the entire time? Was this a setup to make Jody discredit Mike instantaneously by having him miss out on the Lady in Lavender to go save Mike? This may be a setup, too. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just I'm just know. throwing it out there. Um, some of the just various thoughts that I've had from watching the movie from, from times. I will say this. Uh, I feel as though a pan-dimensional or multi-dimensional being like the tall man himself would more than likely be able to play a version of chess that none of us will ever understand. So I always err on the side of caution that everything that happens in these films, unless the tall man looks shocked and horrified, is pretty much part of his plan. Yeah, probably. That's a that's a decent go about it. But even the times when he looks shocked and horrified, I wonder if he's also still fucking with us because it gets like that too sometimes. So, but in this movie at least unless the tall man looks shocked and horrified at something that happens i'm pretty sure he intended for the things that happened to happen and that he is also not communicating with us the way that a human would yeah <laughs> i could see that all of his nonverbal cues as to who he is and his peculiarities and everything like that that is the way that they're trying to say that there's something otherworldly there's something not natural there's something very not right about this tall man besides the fact that he has this striking and very intimidating persona and and height over everyone yeah. around him like the fact that he also acts alive? bizarre uh not anymore no angus shrem yeah. passed away a few years ago but he lived to a ripe old age and continued to act and a lot of don coscarelli stuff as well by the way so, oh nice yeah and he's by all accounts a very lovely chap too ah angus there you go. yeah like a very very lovely chap so i just wanted to point that out as well uh I could go on and on about trying to analyze what the fuck is happening in this film, but I really don't know. I, I'm I, I know that I'm like saying some of these things so convincingly, but that's only because like that's what I was able to latch onto with some of this stuff. Here's here's all we know for sure. There are strange murders happening. There are weird creatures about that are smaller in size. We have a very tall man who seems to have humongous strength. Whatever's happening is happening. The center of it is at the funeral home. And we have a silver ball that flies around and can kill people. And a woman in Lavender who is either is the tall man, works with the tall man, or is projected by the tall man. That's all we know for sure right now. I will amend your statement, though I do agree with it. Not that this is what we know, just that these are the things this we is have what been we're shown. shown. Right. Okay, there you go. Much better. These are the <laughs> things we've been shown whether or not these are facts or things that are in reality in the film we cannot fully be certain because the rules tend to change as we go and we will see in the next 20 minutes yes all right then well, the next 20 um we see mike sleeping on the stairs he has a finger in a box that's still moving and also has a loaded shotgun with him well, jody comes down and takes the shotgun and unlocks it he sh mike shows him the box he opens it sees the finger and the yellow crap in there and it's moving and says well he believes him and they talk a little bit uh kind of like about everything mike saw now uh, he saw the the tall man carry uh 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 tommy's box away and all that and mike is like wow well uh, we're gonna go get the sheriff go get your evidence so he goes up to the room and he sees the box isn't moving so he decides to open it and inside is now what can only be called a demon fly it's a gigantic fly and it looks angry it's a demon fly it has a lot Unless of you a lot of fucking teeth i'm 
you know, it's definitely some kind of monstrous creature that yeah. resembles what we would consider a fly on Earth. Yes. All right. That's fine by me as well. Is this um, is this what the tall man really is, or is this something that the finger transformed into to attack them at yeah, the tall man's will? Because like, the tall man can create things from his broken appendages. Or his own mind. Who, who knows? Yeah. Like, Or was this the thing that they captured and all along they thought it was a finger? <sighs> yeah. Man, listen, I'm not exactly sure what you want me to say right now, but I mean, because you could be right about all of that. (laughs) I'm just going to say this. Yes. (laughs) Right. I'm just, I'm just saying, I don't have answers, folks. I just have more questions for you is all I'm getting at. He gets it downstairs and, uh, you know, to kind of hide probably how cheaply the fly is. They have it covered up in his like shirt or something and he gives it and uh, Jody helps him. They get it into a uh, disposal and turn it on thinking it's dead. Well, then Reg comes in and he's talking to him. He's like, hey, what's going on, you guys? You guys look scared. And then uh, the, the fly comes back out. They're able to get it off Mike um, and uh, put it back in the disposal. And Reggie's like, holy shit, what was all that? Uh, well, uh, then they arm up and that's our next clip. Here, you keep that. Now remember, you don't aim a gun at a man unless you intend to shoot him. And you don't shoot a man unless you intend to kill him. No warning shots. Hey, you listening to me? Yeah. No warning shots. Warning shots are bullshit. You shoot to kill or you don't shoot at all. Now you'll be safe here. Just lock all the doors and windows. And don't follow me. You sure you're gonna be okay with that? I'm just gonna go up there and take a look around. Nobody's gonna see me. But heck. A Colt Army issue will put a man down and keep him there. Remember that broken basement window around by the side. And be careful. So, uh, Jody then, uh, he goes to the funeral home, he checks out the place, and he gets attacked by a dwarf. He's able to shoot it a couple times and keeps getting back up. So he crawls out of the window, and he's running, and then almost gets hit by a hearse, which appears not to have anyone driving it. Um, then all of a sudden, Mike pulls up in the fucking super awesome car, and they take off. It's a Hemi Cooper. Oh, yeah. I mean, but it's a fucking beautiful car. It's so um, fucking rare as well, and it breaks your heart what happens in this franchise. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, god yeah. damn. Yeah. Um, so it almost gets hit by the hearse, uh, and the hearse chasing it, and then finally, um, uh, Jody gets a shotgun and blows away the engine of the hearse, and the hearse crashes. When they go in the check and they see it was actually a dwarf driving it, and now they have it's, it's like a fucking piece of uh, tree went right through it. They uncover it, and we see the dwarf is Tommy. So very interesting. So then Reggie brings they call Reggie, tell him to bring his truck, and they throw the Tommy you know thing into it. It's also bleeding this yellow stuff, and they throw it into the ice cream cooler part of the truck and uh lock it up with a padlock um they get back to the house and they talk and that's our next clip i just can't figure out why why they're taking these bodies and crushing them down to half size crush what about mom and dad they're up there too hey just forget about that okay I see it. I see it all now. What we gotta do is we gotta snag that tall dude and stomp the shit out of him, and we'll find out what the hell is going on up there. 
Yeah, we'll lay that sucker out flat and drive a stake right through his goddamn heart. You gotta be shitting me, man. That mother's strong. Hey, hold on. First thing is I want Mike out of here. Ranch, you take him over to Sally's, the antique store. He'll be safe there. Then hustle on back. And Mike, no arguments. Mm. All right. So uh, as Mike gets delivered to the antique store, he's going through and he finds a picture from like the early 1900s. And it's of the tall man. And he has like a horse and buggy as the mortician, town mortician. And the tall man even turns in this picture and smiles at him. So then he runs over to the girls and tells them he has to go home. Then we cut to Reggie. He's driving back and he starts hearing pounding from the truck. Well, then we see Jody sitting down. He dreams that he's in the funeral home and he sees the tall man and then he's attacked by dwarves and dragged into one of the crypts. Uh, the ladies and Mike, they're driving and they find Reggie's truck flipped. Uh, they check it out and the dwarf is no longer in the back. Tommy is no longer in the back, but there's plenty of that yellow blood. They get into the car, but then they are attacked by a ton of dwar- dwarves. And as they are fighting, fighting, um, Mike actually gets pushed out the back window and the car takes off with all the dwarves in it. And uh, that actually is the end of that 20 minutes and what we'll be doing after this is the final 30 okay um before we move into the final bits um are you not following what's happening with all the attacks or are you pretty sure that you you, you got a grasp on what we're being shown to believe is what's I, going on yeah I, I got a pretty good grasp on what's going on yeah this is all pretty much your basic meat and potatoes action or stuff i think yeah. he may have written a lot of these sequences and created them before he started getting more esoteric and weird with some of the stuff he was started yeah. doing um um, this is basic meat and potatoes action or stuff and very cool. Um, I feel sad for that ice cream truck when it gets rolled over because it was a beautiful and cool truck, but it looks like it'll be fine. Yeah, right. I mean, it might have gotten a little dinged up, but it looks like it was gently easied over. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really dig that we now are supposed to believe that Reggie's dead. Yes. Um, and that these girls are probably dead, too. Yeah. And I mean, not that they're very important characters in, in the story and the end of it, but. Right. But like we only reason and we know that uh, he was going to an antique store and that sh- there's somebody that they know is they just, Jody just says it, right? I'm having Sarah come get him and take him to the store. We don't yeah. even know who this is or, or whatever, like uh, what why she's bringing him back, but they're there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we have no clue. It just is what it is. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, most of the stuff, like we said, is just the straightforward action and everything. And this feels like uh, the tall man is done playing and he's testing their ability to defend themselves because they're arming up and he knows they're coming for him so yeah he's doing a divide and conquer bit right now which you know is, is a smart tactic in war uh clearly since it's working they're already down a reggie yeah right they were almost down a michael yeah and I mean, jody is going into the lion's den alone that's dangerous yes. too and he's already in jody's mind so yeah i mean <laughs> so there you go yep um anything else no no i'm, I'm good no. i just i'm All i right. feel like we've set it up let's let's go ahead and finish Let's this go. Off. The final 30. Mike returns home and he tells Jody kind of everything that happened. Jody then says, all right, you're going to stay here and I'm going to go there and, and check it out. And then he says, he locks Jody in his room by putting a, a screwdriver in the door so Jody can't get out. Um, 
Well, then Mike has a shotgun shell, and he uses it. And Mike's a little MacGyver. Uh, Mike's a, Mike's a pretty in, uh, intelligent character in horror movies. So uh, now he's going to get himself into trouble, but he's all right. He basically and, made a hammer grenade. Yeah, because and he blows a hole through the door. Yeah, and then c- he can remove the screwdriver, and he gets out. If you hit a shotgun like that, if you hit a shotgun shell and explode a shotgun shell without it being encased, that shrapnel's mm-hmm. going everywhere. Yeah, it would have hit him too. He needed to have yeah. some kind of a tubing around it to focus it into the door like he was going to do a shotgun blast into the door. Yeah. Something. Something like that. Yes. Anything like that. Um, we then cut to Jody driving to the funeral home. Mike leaves, and as he's getting ready to leave, uh, he runs right, opens up the front door, runs right into the tall man, and he's got all his fingers. So, sorry about your damn luck. Freddy did this same gag, only he cut it off right in front of him and then regrew it. Yes, that's true. Um, the tall man then takes Mike to the funeral home. Uh, Mike is in the back of a hearse, but he has the gun, and he shoots out the back window, then shoots the back wheel from inside the car. He's able to jump out, and the, uh, the, uh, the hearse crashes and explodes. Loads. Then Jody goes to check out his dad's casket. He brings it out, but he can't bear. He can't bring himself to look. He just says he's, he's got to be in there, but he can't look. Um, Mike, uh, he gets inside. He finds that casket. He checks it and he finds it's empty. That's, you know, that, that, that gets him. And, uh, then he gets chased. The metal ball shows back up. He gets chased by it as it comes. It almost looks like he's going to get him. Jody shoots it, destroying it. I just have this feeling that the metal ball is going to be much bigger bigger part of these movies uh yes you know come come later movies uh it tells it some tells me it's gonna get a lot more kills part two specifically marketed itself as the ball is back yeah all right so yeah um then all of a sudden reggie shows back up he's alive and he tells him so are the girls he found the two girls and more other girls from town that he'd never seen before uh he set them all free and he told said they all went running out into the night and they ran away um but they're free the building so they all three find this door and they go into it and then we see it's full of barrels and when they look into the barrels like there's these little windows they're all full of dwarves then there's another place with two metal rods and mike goes there and he kind of puts his hand through there and it's you know it's like a portal and he remembers the old woman's words don't be afraid don't be afraid he goes into the portal and thankfully jody grabs him but as he's suspended there he's in this very red hot world where all the dwarves are working, like just just having to do tasks and all this. He gets pulled out, and Mike says he realized that these dwarves are actually slaves. Uh, and they crush them because of the gravity and the heat of their other world that they have to go work in. And that doorway is to their planet, or dimension, or whatever. But they say planet. Um, then the power goes out and everything blacks and, and everything goes black. We don't see anything. We can hear dwarves attacking, gun shooting. Then we see Jody somehow outside of the funeral home looking for Mike. Power comes back on and Reggie is alone in that room. He touches both the metal rods, remembering how he touched his musical rod. Um, and after that happens, it's, he touches the top of both metal rods for the doorway. Um, then we see Jody's looking for Mike and and we see the uh, Jody still looking for Mike, and we see in the background the lavender lady's watching. As Reddy touches both those things, he triggers something, and she gasps. Everything all of a sudden starts getting sucked into the doorway. Reggie's able to get out of the room just barely. Um, 
Mike's outside looking for Jody as well. It's very windy. We can tell that whatever this is, is affecting the outside. Reggie gets outside and he finds the lady in Lavender. And as he checks on her, she stabs him in the gut. Uh, the other two escape. They want to, uh, you know, Mike wants to help him. But Jody says, you know, Mike's, you know, Reggie's gone. He's already dead. And as they run away, the funeral home disappears. It's all green and like Hellraiser kind yeah, of. Like, yeah. Like, you know, where they animate the colors over top of it. And then it sort of just like fades out from there they get back home and jody tells mike that they're he's got a plan and he's gonna make sure reggie's the last guy that the tall man ever takes and so he's gonna go ahead and he's gonna trap him in the old mine and he tells uh mike to go ahead and get more ammo and he goes he's gonna go get the mine set as mike's starting to stock up ammo the tall man shows up right outside a window and crashes through it and starts chasing him Told him he played a fine game, boy, but it's time to die. As Mike runs, uh, he remembers to have no fear as two tombstones pop up at him. And he's reminded to have no fear. Then all of a sudden hands come through mud to try to drag him down, but he gets free. He has the knife out and the woman in Lavender sit standing there also with the knife out, but doesn't attack him. He's able to get by him. Uh, Mike leads then the tall man on a chase. And as Mike runs past, the tall man falls through a trap uh, where he falls into the mine. Then all of a sudden, all these stones come down from Jody, uh, trapping him. You can hear him still banging as he's being trapped by all this stuff. Um, Jody raises his hands in victory. Then Mike wakes up and he talks down and we see he's talking to a very much alive Reggie. And that's our final clip. I hear the sounds. I know those rocks aren't going to hold them. Not for long. Hey, you had a dream. Just a nightmare. What do you expect? You've hardly slept since the funeral last week. I know those rocks aren't going to hold them. First he took Mom and Dad. Then he took Jody. Now he's after me. Mike, that tall man of yours did not take Jody away. Jody died in a car wreck. You had a bad dream. I know you're scared, but you're not alone. I'll take care of you. I know I can't ever take Jody's place, but I'm sure as hell gonna try. Seems real. You know, partner? What we need is a change of scenery. Why don't you and me hit the road for a couple of weeks? Where will we go? Well, I don't know. I guess we can figure that one out when we get there. After that, uh, Reggie tells him, so, it's all been a dream? Are you kidding me? They're, they're gonna, they're gonna say elsewhere us? Motherfucker! Can't believe that shit. Alright, well, he tells Reggie, or he tells Mike to go get his stuff. Mike goes up as he's packing. He turns around, but in the mirror is the tall man, and then a mirror behind him, two arms, bust through, grab Mike, drag him in, roll credits. Okay, so at this point in the film, we're not sure who actually is dead, who is actually still alive, 
if any of this is actually happening or if Mike has completely lost his mind. Should we believe that it is in fact what Reggie said, that it's all been a dream, that he's still dealing and reeling with the loss of his parents not too long ago and then recently Jody in a car crash, you know? So all of this where Jody comes back and, you know, Jody's around and he's helping Jody work on his car and all of this kind of stuff, like the entirety of the film may have been Mike's wish fulfillment dream that you often get when you lose a loved one of getting more time with them or, you know, getting to say that final thing that you've been wanting to say. Our subconscious actually makes that sort of thing bubble to the surface in dreams sometimes. Uh, I know of at least two people besides myself that have experienced something like that when they've lost a loved one where they had a dream and they got to speak with them knowing that they were gone in the dream. And it's like a way that your mind closes stuff out. Is that what's happening to Mike in this? No. With Jody, you know? <laughs> in my opinion, no. Uh, it's the tall man playing whatever game the tall man wants to play. Is but he? maybe the tall man got defeated and he changed reality. Well, that's a possibility. I feel that the tall man does, in fact, warp your reality if he can't defeat you. I think everything that we've seen in the film thus far, all the horror, everything, including all of these various deaths, is literally the tall man throwing anything he can at Mike to get fear out of him. And Mike is standing up and basically unwilling to flinch at what the tall man has to show him at all. And yeah. so the tall man tries because the greatest thing that any anyone should ever fear is the loss of those that they love clearly yes. and the tall man is finding that by doing what he's going to do where he's taking various people that these guys love because we were convinced reggie was dead and then all of a sudden reggie just shows up <laughs> yeah right and then all of a sudden reggie's like hey man i'm here and i'm like what the fuck right and then all of a sudden reggie's dead again he gets stabbed you know and we see him get stabbed we watch the woman stab him and yet yeah, we watch him die yeah we watch he him laser bleed out right and then then Mike wakes up from a dream. All of a sudden, Reggie's alive, and it turns out it was Jody the entire time. Yeah. It, and in that clip, there was a moment where we see that Mike had visited Jody's grave in a completely different looking graveyard, which would tell us that that graveyard that was in Mike's dream, or that we always see it all the movie, doesn't actually exist. Probably. It's a, it's a completely different graveyard. Yeah. Which completely different gravestones. Right. And whether or not that was intentional, we're not sure, but yeah. you yeah. Know, let's just say that because we know it's different, we are going to make that assumption. Yes. <laughs> right. So I do believe that everything that Michael's going through and even us as an audience all of this is the tall man testing our fear because once he can get into our fear he's got us yeah and the way that he does this without when he's unsuccessful he just automatically makes us think it's a movie i'm being facetious yeah. there that's just being me me having fun but like yeah yeah like if you want to have fun with it and get really freaked out then just think of it that way that where as soon as you're done watching it boom it's back to just being a movie in your mind and a really confusing one at that because yeah. the tall man didn't succeed in his mission with you and with michael you know he tried with making making him lose his parents and then he tried making him lose his parents and Reggie and then when that didn't work now he's going to try and make him lose his parents and Jody which was his greatest fear all along anyway and now what's going to happen with Michael has the tall man won when he goes to grab him here at the end because it sure yeah. seems like this is him winning it really does and uh, you know uh, fuck I don't know man that's uh, one hell of a way to end a movie is Mike even really alive down there or Mike Reggie is Reggie even really alive? Well, that's the question. Yeah. Is all of this just him giving people to Mike again to try and soothe him and make him feel a little bit better? 
so they can then yank them away once again and try and drive him a little bit more insane or get that fear going to where he can finally control him and take him over. But clearly yeah. there's something about Mike that resists whatever it is the tall man is doing. And in so doing, Mike can also inoculate those around him by actually showing them things that they weren't paying attention to before. But once they all start going down this path, you look like the crazy person is the problem. Like no one wants to believe anything that these guys are going to have to say. So the more that they're like, no, there's a guy that runs these mortuaries and is cleaning out all of these towns for the bodies and he's shrinking them down. Like the more you try to explain what's happening in Phantasm, the more you sound like a crazy person. This is true. These are facts. Now imagine trying to explain that to someone saying this is shit that I've actually seen and have them believe you and not sound crazy. Like that's impossible. You just give up on recruiting until you have proof. Yeah. And how do you get proof? You break into a fucking mortuary. Again, crazy. Yeah, right? Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is what I love about this film. I really do, because everything about it makes the person that's supposed to be your hero seem like they're completely insane, and you're being forced to follow from their perspective, even though what they're doing is clearly maybe the wrong thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, at the same, but at the same time, because you're being shown what you're being shown, you just go along with it and you cheer them on. Yeah. Because <laughs> Angus Shrim is terrifying, and he makes a great bad guy, and I'm always going to accept him as terrifying. <laughs> he, I mean, he is pretty it's he's a creepy bloke I mean, in the movie. Yeah, well, he was a wonderful, warm person in real life. I've seen that in yeah. interviews and everything like that. But when he plays mean, when he gets that mean look, my God, it just it just chills you to the bone. That means he's just a good actor, man. And uh, and you know what? Some great acting in this movie. Yeah. You felt the emotion from Mike, and you felt that Jody cared so much for Mike. You felt that caring. You felt that Reggie held that friendship with Jody close, and he considered Mike his own little brother as well. You felt these friendships, this this grouping. You felt the, the emotion from these characters. You felt like Tommy must have been a very close friend of theirs. You, you felt these relationships, which is coming from back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back Texas Chainsaw Massacres where I didn't feel like any of these characters even liked each other or even knew who one or each other were, even though they're supposed to be friends for years. It, 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 you know, for something that's supposed to be so heavy, emotional, and terrifying, um, it wasn't. And here you felt these friendships, so you felt these people's pain when things were taken away from them. Yeah, you do. You connect with the characters, and that's where, I mean, the drama and the interpersonal care. I mean, you... <sighs> You have to be a really cold bastard not to automatically just like gravitate towards Reggie and want to hang out with him. Yeah, he's, Reggie he's, seems like just the most decent dude. Yeah, like give the shirt off his back to you just to make sure that you're a little bit more warm. Playing his guitar just to have a good time and, and laugh with his yeah. friend on his porch. You know, just selling ice cream because it makes him happy to make other people happy. And he, it's a good way to make money because he gets all these smiles he gets to put on people's faces. You know, yeah. like, just a genuine good dude. Like, and this is the guy that's going to go up against unspeakable horror you know yeah like a guy that in normal life i probably would absolutely be annoyed by i'm like you're not this fucking good this is ridiculous you're not that's good there's some secret to you right now <laughs> right a guy that's like so mr rogers good that you just can't believe that someone could be that good yeah yeah that's reggie in in this movie particularly that scene where he's talking to Mike right after, like, and he's trying to soothe them, it's like, you could see it in Reggie's eyes. Like, it's like he's done this several times. Like, Mike is just getting further and further from me. 
reality. And his only solution is like, man, let's just get away. Let's just go let's out. Go. Yeah, let's, let's drive. Yeah, let's get you away from all of this and like get you out of this town and let's get this out of your mind for a while. Like this is yeah. a la- this is literally what this trip that he's planning at the very end here. This is a last ditch effort of Reggie to reach Michael before he loses him completely around that bend. Like, I think so. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, the minute Michael goes upstairs and is alone, he's gone one way or the other. Whatever it is, whether it's the mental illness or there really is some kind of weird pan-dimensional demon being creature that manifests as the, the tall man that's just locked in this game of sadistically torturing Michael for the rest of his life. Yeah. I mean, like, however you want to believe it, like, there is nothing but pain and suffering in the future for Michael and anyone who loves him. And that is horrifying to me because this tall man will not stop as long as Michael is alive and he's not going to kill him because I think he enjoys this. He's playing with Michael because this is fun for him. This is like a hobby what if or it's a distraction. About, what if it's not about fun? What if it's Michael's consciousness supplies something for this other world that the tall man supplies doors for? So it's not that Michael's going to be made a dwarf, but to constantly and continuously torture Michael somehow helps his dimension. Okay, it may not be for fun. I could see where this would be somehow. See, I don't think the tall power. man has fun. The tall man seems like he's a man who has to have a job and he has to work. I don't think he ever gets enjoyment out of anything. I think he just he has his own role to play for his what other world or dimension and his is to get the dwarves to, you know, you know get bodies to create dwarves for a slave class and then also Somehow they're like, well, there's there's this boy in this town that his energy or something and his, you know, if he's petrified, scared, or just sad, does something good for our world. <laughs> like a like like a really fucked up Monsters, Inc. Like, yeah, you know, I, like it powers our world. <laughs> That's a possibility. It may also be that just that Michael somehow is naturally resistant to the bullshit that he can pull and make everybody else just kind of ignore what's happening. And yeah. like he, he can't put the subterfuge over Michael. So he has to resort to going overboard. And these attempts that he's going overboard are essentially just to make sure that no one else will ever believe anything Michael says. That's so it could be as well. Yeah. yeah. But whether it's practical or, or not, there are moments where Angus Shrim's character of the tall man looks like he is getting off at the horrible things he is that he's doing it may not happen you may not see that in this one but later on in the series it really feels like he gets off on this it does uh, yeah. yeah all right <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's just because when i watch these movies i get off on them because they drive me crazy <laughs> I mean, it's it's hardcore. Yeah, it's intense. I fucking love Phantasm. Uh, it doesn't matter how many good fucking movie. times you watch it, you'll always find something new. Yeah, yeah. it's a good movie. It's a good <laughs> movie to watch after a, a good palate cleanser after what we just been through. <laughs> Even if this was just out of the blue, we're covering it for no other reason, just to cover Phantasm. It's still yeah. incredible, and it would have gotten the same glowing review. Uh, agreed. Oh yeah, agreed. It's it's an actual. It's just an actual good movie. Yeah. <laughs> right, and we're just yeah. so happy after the sea of we're just not so, so great. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, it's just great that we have an actual good movie. It's not good because it's following up a lot of bad. It's good in its own right. It's just, it's also following up a lot of bad. So you're, it's double good. <laughs> Your enjoyment of these films is something that I guarantee will stay with you. At this level, it may increase. I can't promise it will increase, but I guarantee you will always find something enjoyable in every of the Phantasm films all the way to the end. Nice. 
Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. I just because we're so like minded on the first one as you know, like basically anything I had to say, you're like, I didn't yeah. think of that, but I agree with you and same thing back and forth. So yeah. I, I feel like the, the, I feel like my hypothesis has already been proven, but we need to have the empirical data and we're going to go through them all and we're going to make sure. Awesome. <laughs> but we have feedback, so we need to take the break ah. here. We need to play. The, right. We need to play the Geek Radio Daily promo and when we come back. We'll have a little more music I ripped right out of the Phantasm film and we'll get to that feedback. Are you having trouble keeping up with the ebbs and flows of modern geekery? Is the real world holding you back from knowing what is happening in the geeky world? To answer these and other personal problems brought in by your friends, gaming group, and loved ones, Geek Radio Daily presents daily informational sessions brought to you by the wonderful Billy Flynn, the Flynnstress, and podcasting's Rich Siegfried. They contain such helpful segments as history, geek birthdays, box office results, the latest in DVD and Blu-ray, video game and comic releases. Why, they also have a Sweekly show hosted by the wonderful Billy Flynn and the Flynnstress, which includes interviews and commentary. And to make sure you are informed, Geek Radio Daily also provides you with your daily dose of geek news to make sure you know more than that jerk know-it-all Steve. Visit us at geekradiodaily.com. That's right, Geek Radio Daily. All the geek without the weight. Now available in fine Corinthian leather. I had to. Yeah, hot as love. (laughs) Sitting here at midnight. Yeah. (laughs) I know I spent a lot of time on that, but we don't have a lot of time left in the show. We just have enough. Time for incoming All right, so your friend and mine, and by yours, I mean the listeners of this show, because Matt doesn't reach out to anybody he doesn't fucking have to. Jesus Christ, man. I didn't know we were starting it like that. All right. (laughs) God damn. Your friend and mine to the show, Richard from Hello! This is the Doom Show. Send us this little piece of feedback. Greetings to Court and Matt of Cinema PsyOps. Greetings to all of the listeners of Cinema PsyOps. Hello, this is Richard of Hello, This is the Doomed Show, and I'm here to congratulate this podcast, especially the Court and the Matt, for reaching the milestone of episode 300. And I want to apologize for taking so long to getting around to congratulating you on this monumental task or feat 
F-E-A-T, that you have accomplishment, Ted. And the reason I'm sorry is because (laughs) I know that you guys have been holding off releasing episode 300 until you heard from me, and I feel really guilty that uh, you've been waiting so long. Let's see. Let me go to the site here. Cinema org. <laughs> wow. Since May. <laughs> May 9th of this year, you have episode 299. That is a long time for you guys to wait to put on an episode for me. I Oh, wait. Episode 300's out. Episode 301. 302. 303. 304. 305. 306. You didn't wait. You told me you would wait for me for like two months to record a congratulatory message for you guys. And here it is. (laughs) But seriously, folks, I love this show. I am actually looking forward to episode 3000 because by then you'll have covered Grease Three, which does not exist yet, but in 2062, uh, Grease 3 will be released in April, and it is going to star Arnold Schwarzenegger's clones. It's going to be great, but enough about that. I also heard you guys have a freaking six-year anniversary. Six years is longer than most people's lives, bruh. And um, I can't even imagine not being in a room with Matt for six years, much less being in a room with Matt for six years. <laughs> Keep up the good work, gentlemen. And here's to another uh, 2,700 more episodes. Because if you don't get to episode 3,000, did you even record a podcast? <laughs> Nice. Oh, Jesus, Richard, you're a madman. Um, That's good stuff right yeah, there. Yeah, we're actually coming up on our seventh year. We're This is the close of our sixth year. So we're we're past six years already. We're actually rounding up towards seven. <laughs> yeah, we're hardcore, man. <laughs> yeah, man, that's a lot of fucking episodes and a lot of fucking weeks. But Richard uh, brings up an excellent point. I did, in fact, tell him that I would wait until we were going to record the episode. Oh, man. Well, you lied to him. <laughs> no, I... There's no way I'm delaying an episode. He's just fucking around. And yeah, yeah but <laughs> that was fucking hilarious. I got to say, I love Richard's editing techniques, how he always messes with the yeah. audio and does pitches and stuff like that. Makes it sound like he's a glitchy Max Hedrum because he can't process certain moments. <laughs> I love he can't, it. He can't process his human emotions. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much going to be my review for every Phantasm film. I cannot process these humans' emotions, Dave. Yeah, right? Yeah, no kidding. Jesus. <laughs> I'm getting ready to I already got a migraine. <laughs> well, the fact that this is a shorter episode does not in any way, shape, or form reflect the film. I feel like we just kept it lean and on task, and I'm more than happy to close it now if you are. I'm just fine with that. I think, uh, I mean, I I think we're going to get into a lot of stuff here in the next coming weeks with these movies. (laughs) How many are there? Uh, Five in total. Five in total. There you go. Yeah, so we are one of five down. And Nice. Yeah. uh, I'm going to just state out right now that while I absolutely love the original Phantasm, it's not my favorite in the series. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, and I like certain ones for different reasons, and we'll get into that when we do it, but uh, the one that I always like to go back and watch the most will probably be very easy for everyone to guess, and it probably won't be the one that everybody thinks it's going to be. Enough teasing, enough edging. Let's end it. 
If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcast, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found. And I'm gonna say it again. I fucking love this fucking score. It, it was way above decent. Yeah, I mean, that was, <laughs> it's fucking good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything about this movie, from the Hemikuda all the way up to the Lady in Lavender, Angus Shrim's oh, acting, yeah. everything. There's nothing to not love about Phantasm, and it's very true. And like I said, it's not even my favorite of the series anymore. Like I still absolutely love this one, but there's one that I always enjoy watching more. <laughs> yeah. Huh. I know. I know. It's a fucking sin, but it's the fucking yeah. truth. You know. Hey, what happens, man? <laughs> It's, you can't help what you like. It's still a fucking amazing movie. And if you want to check all the other instances of our previous full franchise fest where I have said before, after gloating about how much I love the movie, that it's still not even my favorite of the series, you can check that out at our landing and launching page, legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. We are also available on the Instagram. I believe that's what the kids are calling it. It's like this thing where you take pictures and you make a 
duck face into your phone's camera and then people send hearts your way. But it's oh, not, the gram. Not creepy, like in a good no, way. No, I mean, it's a little it's creepy, gram. but it's not like in a bad way. But what we uh-huh. do on Instagram for your hearts, instead of making ducky faces, we give you memes and lots of them. Yes. That's where the memes for the people of Cinema PsyOps is shared. You can snag them there. They're reusable. You can make your own versions of them. That's what they're Grab there for. Grab those soulless memes. <laughs> Grab them and share them. And they also end up again in our Facebook group, which I'm pretty sure you can guess what app you have to go to to get into a Facebook group. Matt? Yeah. What, 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 yeah, what, app? Uh, what app do you have to use to get into the Facebook app? Group, yeah. The, oh, the Facebook app. To get into the Facebook group, right? I mean, that's yeah. pretty obvious, right? Yeah. Okay. So do I need to say that you and I are both available on the Facebook app and also the Facebook group? Probably not, but I would do it anyway. Okay. Well, we're Cinema PsyOps for the group. I'm Court PsyOps for my page, and Matt is Matt PsyOp for his thing that he kind of does and ignores you for 24, 25 weeks now, Darren. What is it? You can email feedback to Matt, PsyopMatt at gmail.com, but don't ever expect a response. So you should probably just send it to me at CinemaPsyOpsCourt at gmail.com. Yeah, I'm starting to feel like you're attacking me. <laughs> no, I'm publicly shaming you. Oh, is that why I'm so hard right now? Jesus. It's one of your kinks, so that would make sense. If you would like to learn more about Matt's kinks, you can twit a couple of tweets to a couple of twats on the hate-filled shitfest that has been reformed into a porn bot haven known as Twitter. I am at court underscore psyop there, and he is at psyop Matt. So please, twit your twats at us. Yeah. Wait. No, yeah. <laughs> well, while you're out there, Darren, feeling neglected, abused, misused, and mistreated because he still hasn't gotten back to you in like 23, 24, 25 fucking weeks, kick the fuck out of Matt Psyop <laughs> and this week <laughs> and make it your bit. Leave it all behind. Let it all go. Not worth it anymore. You can't convince them or change their minds. It's hard to be kind. You're accused of fear. Some people need more.
Hey, you hear me? Yep. Cool. Skype just updated. So for like a second, I'm like, ah, I hope you can hear me. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. 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 You know what I say? What? It's not Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck. Right? It's amazing. Yeah. I'm so glad to be done with that yeah. that franchise. Uh, I'm pretty stoked on this. Are you recording on your side yet? Uh, I am now. Corpse fucking. Uh, no. Yep. I am now. Corpse One, fucking. One, two, three. <laughs> All right. How's your waveform looking? All right. <laughs> uh, looking good. Looking good. Did you just say something about corpse fucking? Yeah. And I said, and then apparently corpse fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Clip. <laughs> Clip. <laughs> uh, so there's five movies in the Phantasm franchise. That means there's five episodes till the end of our fucking year, my man. Damn, that's some shit right there. We're in uh, seven after that. Wow, fuck. That's, uh, yeah, we've, that's something. We've wasted uh, all this time in our lives for the last seven years doing this show. It's good. It's a good thing that that happened. Hey, at least we're still talking to each other because of it. I mean, that's a right? start. I mean, we're still friends. so Sort of. And, and neither one of us wanted to kill the other yet. Sort of. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm liking this energy. I think we're we're in sync on this. Let's uh, let's yeah. get rocking and rolling on the Phantasm. What do you say? All right, sounds good to me. All right, here we go. Well, later on, uh, Mike is working on the car. Or, uh, 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 I'm sorry, hold on one second here. I, I want to make sure I didn't just... That's, that, that's okay. I just blew your mind. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, especially knowing what I know about the end, how this movie ends. Yep. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm... Oh, Jesus. He tries to tell him what happened, but Jody doesn't believe him, thinks it might be the mentally handicapped kid from down the street. But that's not how he phrased it, and that's not that's, how we say it now. Uh, yeah, yeah, he did not. Yeah, he phrased it in a, in a very different way that I'm not going to phrase it at. Right, but that's <laughs> not how he said it, but that's not how we phrase it now. Yeah, 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 you're, you are very much right. I'm turning it into a <laughs> jingle so that maybe it's more fun for the people that want to, like, get up yeah. in arms about trying to be a little bit polite to our fellow man. Yeah, right. Right? And, uh, you know, it's, we're not woke. We, we, we're just, we're trying to be nice to people. Sorry. Sorry. I apologize for tra- attempting to treat my fellow human beings with respect when they deserve yeah, it. Dignity and respect. Yeah. M- my apologies. Yeah. So sorry. So then, uh, later on, Mike is, or, I'm sorry, almost started the whole same sentence again. <laughs> Would help if you hit the Are right button, Dick. A- <laughs> and this week, and make it your bit. I think I had to do both franchises starts that way, right? Yeah, I think so. I think Definitely. that's where I started that one. <laughs> yep. Yep. We're, we're out. We're done. We're good. All right. And I have stopped recording.